everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Grassroots Roundtable Podcast, a podcast that's just a discussion between a couple of local church leaders. Today's topic, sexual immorality. We'll get to that here in a few minutes. But first, I am the A-game, Adam Bailey. I am an elder of Grassroots Church here in the very icy winter wonderland that is the Greenbrier Valley of West Virginia. I'm joined today by the main man himself, the lead elder of this here Grassroots Church, Darren Cherry. Hey, I'm making coffee. He's making some coffee. But first off, listener, thank you so much for giving us your time. Be sure if you have any thoughts, comments, or just want more information, grassrootswv.com, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Give us your feedback. Today's going to be an interesting topic. Now, we talked about sexual immorality on an episode, I don't know, about a year and a half ago. I think it was summer of 2020, as I recall. Uh, So we don't want to... You know, override all the genius, all the amazement, all the amazingness. Yeah, sure, that's a word. That was that podcast, but we're going to make our way to it. I got to wait for Darren because you don't want me sitting here talking to you about sexual immorality for an hour because um, it would go like this. It'd be so awkward. Step one, what is sexual immorality by definition? And I just I just hung out with Siri for a few minutes and I ask, uh, yeah, hey, Siri, what's, uh, what does immorality mean? She said, it's the act of being immoral. And I said, yeah, okay, hey, define immoral. She said, uh, you know, not being moral. And I'm like, all right, fine. What does morality mean? And Siri is all like, right and wrong. The sense of morality is a good sense of what is right and what is wrong for humans. We cannot hold animals uh, to a moral standard because animals act on instinct. They don't have reasoning. They don't really have a sense of right and wrong the way that humans, made in God's image, tend to have. So morality is a sense of what is right and what is wrong. Immorality is just wrong. It's just not right, not good. So if we're saying sexual immorality, it is sexual wrongness. Very general. We're not not calling out any particular group. Uh, This includes Christians, non-Christians, Methodists, Baptists, everybody. And I will say this, Darren, as you're letting your coffee mm. being made, that sounds so good. Yeah, that I couldn't, I knew there. if I was going to, because we've already recorded one today, re-recorded one today, we're recording a second one. I'm like, if I'm going to get through this, I need more coffee. I, I, yeah, I'm kind of tapped out. I already had three. And I got to slow down Not a me. little bit here. I think we would all get to a better place, especially Christians, if we would understand that. Like, hey, my name is Adam. And uh, even though I try not to, I break every commandment every minute of every day. So if you're listening, you're like, I am sexually pure. Uh, let's just make sure we know what we're talking about here. The law is all condemning. I um, do like, I like, because you did, you asked Siri, what is sexual immorality? And then you're like, what is immorality? And then what is a moral, you know, what's, what's morality? And I did, at one point, she was like, it's basically the accepted right and wrong of the day, you know, where it's like, oh, well, it's defined by, you know, whatever the culture defines it. But when you got all the way down to moral, it was what is right, wrong, good, bad, and how that affects the human character. Like, boiled all the way down, it's like there is a right, there is a wrong. Now, at some point, you know, different cultures will set right and wrong at different places. Okay, so in our culture today, sexual immorality, 
most people would think for a a wife to have a sexual relationship outside of her marriage and hide it from her husband, that would be wrong. Most people, they're not all people, but most people would think, hey, that's not right. Um, and we would say that's sexual immorality. But as we did with the Real Real Love podcast. We will love. Yeah. Defining love. We will love. According to the source of love, who is God, and his word, the source of his truth, we want to define sexual immorality according to the source of sexual morality, who is God, and the source of his truth, which is the Bible. Yeah, and the reason we're talking about sexual immorality is because of our series, Flesh v. Spirit. We recorded two episodes on the first fruit of the Spirit, which is love. And this is the first work of the flesh. It starts out with sexual immorality, uh, which is interesting. There's a, there's a part of love, eros, which we talked about. I don't know if that's um, Greek or Hebrew necessarily. But off the top of my head, I have to look it up. But anyway, it is an intimate, uh, sexual, arousing type of physical love. When that is done the wrong way, that is sexual wrongness. That is sexual immorality. But, man, we got, like, 50 minutes to flesh this out. Darren, do you like love songs? Depends on which ones. I don't know. Can you think of, like, the best love song you've ever heard? When you hear it, it's like, man, this is beautiful, good, true love. And are you thinking of Alison Krauss's song, The Smile on Your Face Lets Me Know That You'll Be There? Now, I will say that's a great song. Uh, it's from the soundtrack for the movie Notting Hill. Oh, is it? Yeah. Great song. Great song. Um, I, I can't help... Since we talked about love this morning and since Meatloaf just died. Oh, snap. That's the song I'm sitting here thinking of. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. But I won't do that? But I won't do that. And it's like, what is that? I guess that's open to interpretation. Yep. Meatloaf, uh, God rest your soul. Yeah. Never listened to him. I know that one song. That's about I it. I think just about everybody because knows it was that commercial one, at one song. one when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, yeah, never really got a meatloaf. Matter of fact, I'm not a big fan of meatloaf the dish. I don't get Oh, I could dig some meatloaf. I'm not going to buy it at a restaurant. It depends on who makes it. Yeah. The well, Green come Briar on over. Made some good meatloaf. Um, Mom, over, love I'll... you. Growing up, your Nana's meatloaf was not my cup of tea. Oh, love I'll, you, though. I'll have Kelly make some, see if you like it. Um, Great cooks. There is a song. I'll it's be there. not very well known at all. Uh, it is from, again, the soundtrack from Notting Hill. It was the song that Kelly and I danced to at our wedding. Uh, very unique sounding song, but the reason we liked it so much and, and we made it our song uh, is it talks about the, the song starts off with I love everything about you but then he goes into who's this? Oh gosh, I'll look it up because it's an obscure Sing it for us Nobody wants that I'll hum it. How does it go? Give me a few lines Do I, I might know it uh, I'll do it, I'll sing it <coughs> I'll, I'm going to look it up. I would do anything for love. Because why are you looking that up? Uh, you know, I, I think my favorite song that includes love is Avid Brothers' I and Love in You. It's personal. Whenever Jesse and I started talking, I found out she really liked the Avid Brothers. So I learned how to play some of their songs. The first song I learned how to play was I and Love in You. It's a very good, simple song. I don't know if it really gets to the depth of, like, 
love. Because the whole reason I'm bringing this up is because I would I'd be willing to bet that outside of country, most songs that talk about love in relationships is just sex. <laughs> oh, he's got this determined look on his face. I got it. It's called Everything About You by Steve Poltz. Okay. And the lyrics are things like, I love the way you wear your hair. I love the way you walk into a room. I love, And the thing I liked about it is the fact that it was, I love everything about you. It's not over, number one, it's not over-sexualized, but it's also not overly, like, fantasized, where it's not, it's not unreal. He's talking about, I love just the normal, everyday things about you. And so that's why we made it our song. So many good George Strait songs about love, too. Yeah. Hold that up to the mic a little bit. There we go. Welcome to the Roundtable Podcast. If you're driving, you are welcome, listener. I love you. So Darren likes that song because there are no sexual undertones, just good, pure, happy love. Yeah. But y'all help me out here. Like, I, I swear, most other genres outside of country, when they talk about love, it's just sex. But country is pretty good for that, too. Sometimes, if you actually listen to what they're saying. And Darren, Jesse, that, she ruined. I never thought about it. I, I've, I've listened to country music my entire life. It's not my favorite genre, but I do like good country music. Um, she asked me my top five favorite country artists of all time, which I share with you. And I want to share with my, with my listeners, our listeners, so this is who I would say are my top five favorite country artists. Now, real quick. In no particular order. Yes. Just so our listeners hang in here. I'm bringing it back. Yeah. Like, you are going to connect this to sexual immorality. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because music is wa- like the expression of. Uh, so I did a, an experiment yesterday. Jesse and I, we were driving back from uh, Lewisburg. And I said, watch how terrible and predictable the most listened to songs on Apple Music are right now. So it's like, hey, Siri, play the most listened to songs right now. Oh, Oops, she's going to do start it, do doing it. it. She's going to yeah. start doing it. Because, I mean, here, here's my impression of all the songs these days. It's like, I went to the bank to get cash. Put money in my pocket. It's just, I don't know what they're talking about, but it's just filth. And it's like, man, that's not love. People are pursuing <laughs> it's just crazy sex stuff in songs. But country is much more it's purer. It's not perfect all the time. But anyway, top five country artist. No particular order. I got to put the, the chicks, the Dixie chicks up in there. Love their music. I know. Shania Twain, special shout out. She was awesome. Uh, is still awesome. I really like um, Blake Shelton. I think he does a great job. I uh, like, let's see. Oh, who are the other two? I can't even remember. I should have written this down. Uh, not Sammy Kershaw. Oh, Brad Paisley. Had to put Brad Paisley up there. Uh, Tyler Childers is really good. I don't know if he's like my favorite. He's up there. He'd be like top 10-ish. But um, uh, Dixie Chicks, Shania Twain, Brad Paisley, Blake Shelton, and there's one more. I'll think of it here in a second. But, Darren, you completely disagree. You're shaking your head. It's cracking me up because I cannot personally, I cannot stand the Dixie Chicks, and I can't stand Shania Twain. That's a good song. Now, Brad Paisley, the man, he's like – to me, he's the most modern, old-school country-type singer, just telling stories, and his songs are funny. I'm, I'm the guy that's like country music. You know, I go to George Strait. I go to Johnny Cash. 
Um, of course, I do. I grew up with Garth Brooks. I know a lot of people that like older, you know, don't like, but I love, I love Garth Brooks. Um, so I love his music. Uh, I, I want to say George Jones just for Larry's sake, but I don't know many songs by George Jones. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, my top ones are very different than yours. Did you think of your fifth? No, I can't. I mean, the thing is that that fifth spot, there are so many possibilities. I mean, Tyler, I've listened to so So who's number many. one for you? My favorite country artist, I grew up on Alan Jackson. He deserves a special so shout good. out. So uh, good. So uh, good. Very, very relevant. But right now, I listen to a lot of Hardy. He's got the song Rednecker, which is awesome. Good I, don't even, I don't even know good who that artist. is. Uh, he's fun. Good fun country. Uh, Maren Morris. You know, that's name, I Maren see, I've Morris. never heard Man, listen. There, I so don't listen to music. Female <laughs> country vocalists and songwriters are kicking male artists' butts in country. Are you music a big right Miranda Lambert fan? Uh, I I like um, how crazy some of her stuff is, but her, I mean, she just sounds a little bit too crazy for me. Dude, you got to tie this into the topic. I have no idea. <laughs> I wanted. I'm curious to see how you're going to tie it in. Like, like I'm excited because you told me you're like I'm going to talk about my top five country music artists and i'm like okay sexual immorality top five country music and i'm i am intrigued on just how none of those it. artists are characterized by sexuality in their stuff it seems okay. to be pure that's that's all i'm trying to say there's a lot of there's a lot of good music out there that can i ask a real quick uh talks about love but not sexual immorality that's all i'm trying to say can i ask a real quick rabbit trail question mm-hmm. uh taylor swift country or pop uh, kind of a blend of both. Be, it depends on the song. Okay. And I don't. People hate on Taylor Swift. I mean, she's got some fun, good songs. I have no problem with that. I'm not a bit. I'm just not a big modern music fan, so I, I'm not going to give my opinion. But Hardy, man, you should listen to some Hardy. I, he's it's fun. Um, big a, a shout out to country music, but uh, we're talking. So you're about saying they're they they don't sexualize like as much because i know there yeah, are shania some country twain music might that have. does yeah. yeah obviously shania twain a lot different than kathy matea true that did there loretta lynn but yep. thank you country music for being uh, a better reflection on the right way to love george Strait, do you love me do you want so many good country love songs but Aaron, we're living in a weird time where i think i don't know they say that the 60s was a sexual revolution I think we're in a different type of revolution now for sexuality. Is it different than the 60s? Yeah, I think because the 60s, you know, was the uh, obviously leading into the 70s, um, which, spoiler alert, led into the 80s, which, hold on to your seat, went into the 90s. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. I know, I know we're getting pretty deep here. Um, (laughs) But, no, but, yeah, the 70s, it wasn't a, it was about expression physically, like, hey, sleep with who you want, when you want, how you want. Uh, whereas I think the sexual revolution now is, it is different. Uh, I could probably go on a pretty long tangent on why it's different, but I, I don't think this is the space for that. <laughs> not, not this time? No, because... Because this is broad term. Sexual immorality, according to Galatians 5, it's not pinning one specific sexual sin. It's not like adultery. This is just the, the blanket term sexual wrongness, which goes across the board, which we're all guilty of on some level in some capacity. Do you think it's relevant that this is the first work of the flesh that Paul mentions? 
there's any significance well, in that? I would I would say I, I think it's perfect for the fact that the first fruit of the spirit he mentioned was love. And the first work of the flesh he mentions is sexual immorality. Because we talked about on the love podcast where uh, a lot of people define their love by their sex. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people define their relationship through their sex. Oh, if you're not having a good sex life, then your marriage or your relationship isn't good. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now, just so everybody's clear. We, why, why get married when we could just live together and we need to make sure we're sexually compatible before we move oh on gosh, to the that next is level. The biggest. I'm going to use an illustration that I heard one time. It's the best illustration I ever heard is if you've never had chocolate cake and then you have chocolate cake, that's the best chocolate cake you've ever had. And you want more of that chocolate cake. (laughs) If you've never had sex in your life, and then you get married and have sex, that's the best sex you've ever had. Okay? So the sexual compatibility thing is a myth. It's a joke. Okay? And and I I freaking hate that that lie has permeated the minds of so many people. Um, But we used to have this saying in youth ministry that we talked to uh, our teens about. Um that guys give love for sex and girls give sex for love. Um, guys will basically butter up a girl, you know, lovey-dovey, you know, wine and dine, make them feel good in order to get sex. Uh, and then girls will give the sex in order to feel loved. Uh, those are very broad strokes, I understand. Um, We're in the broad stroke territory. We are. I'm talking about Kathy Matea. Yeah, we've talked about a lot already. Uh, but the thing is that the sexual revolution that we're in now is um, normalizing things that have never been normal. You know, I, I was trying to answer my own question. It's like, what significance, if any, is found in Paul mentioning sexual immorality as the first work of the flesh? I feel like... That's my opinion. Sex is so natural and primal. Like, even before the, f- the fall, even before Adam was made, there was reproduction. <laughs> I mean, yeah. with, you know, animal. It's, it's, it's just a natural thing. Um, it, it, it's, it's so primal and a part of every human. Um, so we all experience that on, on some level. But I think that's point one to be made here. Well, and, and it is... It's, it's on a basic level for every organism. Yeah, like uh, how bees pollinate flowers, animals. Thank you, Magic School Bus. Yeah, all of all of those. It, it's there, but but God gives Spores. it. God gives it to man and woman in a different way. It was because if you go back to the Garden of Eden, you know it's not good for man to be alone. Like Adam was alone. So that intimate sexual relationship that he was given with Eve, it was meant to satisfy that loneliness, um, not fulfill Adam, not to give him, you know, anything other than like help and companionship and someone of equal status that he can be together with. Yeah, and we always say this, you know, Adam, you were not half a person prior to getting married to. I was like an eight, Jesse, if that. <laughs> Because Scripture does talk about how you and Jesse, when you get married, and then in the bonds of that marriage, you are one flesh in God's eyes. It does not mean that you have now completed one another in God's eyes. You are a whole person. If you're listening to this 
and you are not married, you are not missing something in your life from being fulfilled, okay? If you're not a Christian, then yes, you are. You are missing Christ in your life and the fulfillment of having him in your life. But too many people, you know, want to act like, oh, I'm not, I'm not married, so I'm not fulfilled, or I'm not in a relationship, so I'm not fulfilled, or I'm not having sex, so I'm not fulfilled. Um, but that sexual in- intimacy, that first one, that primal thing, the one thing I always try to make people understand, a lot of people today want to boil sex down to an appetite. It's a natural appetite, like the need for water or the need for food. You, you get hungry, so you eat. You want to have sex, so you have sex. It's no big deal. The only thing that that negates that entire argument is this. Think about this, okay? Um, Adam, if you go 20 years without having sex, what happens? From experience, um, no, no, life's fine. Okay. If you go 20 years without food, mm-hmm. what happens? Probably dead, Darren. Okay. If you go 20 years without water, I'm living in California, and it's time to relocate. Yes. And I die. So it's not just an appetite. Sex is not just an appetite. Like in, Now, it is natural. Like you said, it is primal. Yeah, point one. We're just like the basic aspect of sexuality is natural. It is primal. Part of every human. Like everybody has a part of them as uh, sexually there. <laughs> because that's the way God made how he made life to continue. Reproduction yeah. can only come from sex. Um, that's basic. And I'm, I'm trying to keep it basic here. Biological, simple, reproduction. Adam's first command, go for the multiply before the fall. Yep. Um, so that's point one to be made. It's natural. Point two, sex is good. It's good. God made everything good back before the fall. God made... Time, it was good. God made water, it was good. Land, no, good. Hold Birds, on. good. Hold Bees, on. good. Sex is for reproduction and is not to be enjoyed. Yeah, then God messes. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't wire it right. I don't. I don't even know how to rebuttal that. But it, but <laughs> you rebuttal it by going. The, and and I'm not trying to be coarse here or anything. Then why does it feel so good? That's what I was trying to say, but I didn't know how to say it. I you don't just know it, what God license I have good. to speak freely. I don't know who's listening, and I don't want to. God made it enjoyable. God's the one that made it feel the way it does. Like, well, we we've about corrupted it, it. It's an intimate thing, too. Yes. Sex is, it includes, but isn't, let's see, intimacy includes, but is not limited to sex. Yes. It's a part of it. Um, so to be completely transparent, open, and honest, and have that relationship with someone, that's a good thing. Both physically, I, you know, physically, it feels very good. Yeah. Um, emotionally, it's awesome. Just be yourself. Like, be open. I don't have anything to hide. Adam and he felt that way. So it's good. You had to have it, one, for reproduction, and, uh, you know, it's going to be fun. So it is, it is primal in that God is the one that instituted it. He's the mm-hmm. one that gave us the natural desire. It is, it is good. On. He created it. And he made it feel good. <clears throat> he made it enjoyable. He made it pleasurable. So what would you say would be point? Is there a point three? Because I, uh, like, I like how you, I'm just letting you. I like how you're. three. Sin entered the world because Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. And everything was broken, including sex. So suddenly, 
the human factor, the human fallen nature factor enters into sexuality and breaks it. Yes, it can still be good, but now some of their avenues to use sexuality in a not good way. And if you go back and read the first 10 <laughs> chapters of Genesis, there's a bunch of kinky weird stuff going on. Genesis 6 in particular. And that's Oh my where gosh, I mean it's crazy. Even in Judges, a uh, lot. Remember he Oh, we're getting dude, into it, it, man. Hey, if you're not a part of grassroots, happening. you don't have a church, we're doing Judges. In February, we start the book of Judges. I cannot wait. We are getting into some... And who... Uh, I forget I was talking to somebody in our group the other day said, I started reading Judges. Y'all are really preaching through that? Yeah. <laughs> said, I'm excited. Yeah. And uh, dude, I love when our group went through it a few years ago. Uh, J.D. Greer has a really good uh, series on that. But yeah, sex is natural. It's part of life. It was good. Part three, human element in nature enters into it post-fall, and there are bad, immoral, wrong ways to exercise sex. So on that point right there... That's where we are. <laughs> there are bad, immoral ways to engage in sex. Sure. So to know... <laughs> yes, you're right. To know what's wrong, we need to know what's right. So we've already said God instituted and made it... You know, it's a natural thing. You you read in Genesis, he's the one that made man in him in his image, but made man distinct, then made woman distinct, brought them together, and it Adam literally, when he brought when God brought Eve, Adam sang a song. And then God said, Be fruitful and multiply. Have Was it babies. I love in you by Ava Brothers. Load the car and write the no. it might have been. I don't know. And I'd have to like, go back and read Genesis. And he was too. like, What's a car? <laughs> But but that's, you know, we see in the creation account the man made distinct, woman made distinct, brought together in that that committed, okay, marriage, okay, that first marriage, and then said, be fruitful and multiply, go, go have babies, okay? Tend the garden, be together, have babies. It's all God-given, and then we see it corrupted, okay? So sex done right, in God's eyes, is what? According to Scripture, biblical marriage between one man, one woman. One man, born a man. One woman, born a woman. In a monogamous, committed relationship with one another based on Jesus Christ in his relationship with his church. One body, one so, flesh. So intimate, deep understanding of another individual. There's the right way. And now we would say anything. And this is why we're broad strokes here. This is why it's all condemning. And if anyone's listening to this and you're waiting for us to like bash a certain um, group, where this is everybody. Yeah. Anything outside of that is sexual immorality. Okay. So, and, and I'm just going to, just because we're not going to hammer on any one group, um, and and I, I do want to take time. I don't know if you were planning for this. You don't know what's up my sleeve. Uh, not, neither of us do. This is what makes this podcast so much fun. Hey, Larry said that he thought it, well, you and I play off each other so well. He said sometimes it, it almost seems scripted. I said, dude, we don't even have any clue what we're talking about when we come in. Speak for yourself. I do so many hours of preparation and <laughs> prayer. And minute and he emails me. But, um, but here's the deal. Uh, hey, you know, individual who's addicted to pornography. That's sexual immorality. Okay? Listen, whole other topic. I know that a lot of people want to argue me on this, 
um, for different reasons. I've had the discussion. We can have it outside of this. Masturbation, okay, sexual immorality, all right? Um, cheating on your husband or your wife, immorality. Sex outside of marriage, immorality. Homosexuality, immorality. Okay, homosexual, because homosexuality is different than homosexual sexual what? <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to follow you. Hom I know, homosexuality I'm is different than homo. A man what? and a man <laughs> having sex together, a woman and a woman having sex together is different than homosexuality because homosexuality is not boiled down to who you have sex with. Okay. Okay, so I wanted to make sure that we could talk about that different. But sexual immorality. Uh, involving, I'm, I'm getting pretty wild right now, but I just, involving animals, sexual immorality. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you, I know. you are broad stroking it. Listen, we're going into we're Objects. gonna we're gonna have an entire there's podcast actually, soon. There, there's a <laughs> on orgies. We're gonna have an entire podcast we need to on tag it. this. Be like uh, parents heads up. Sexual that's sexual. There's immorality. also sexuality. People that are sexually attracted to objects. Yeah, you know what's it, it, it's interesting too. Uh, talking about uh, sexual immorality, polygamy, because we practice monogamy, not polygamy. Um, yeah. But in the Old Testament, Abraham was promised he'd have a baby with Sarah, kind of gets impatient and gets Hagar pregnant. And he wasn't condemned for doing that with another woman. He was condemned for, one, not having faith in God. <laughs> but it's a question there, and I'd love to hear your lead pastor commentary on I have my own thoughts. But how, what happened? From the Old Testament, it seems like men can have, yes, a wife, but concubines and stuff like that, women, babies with other women, whereas in the New Testament, suddenly Paul's like one man, one woman. What happened? And that's the thing. First of all, at, at one point in Scripture, we do find polygamy condemned. Okay, don't do this. But I, I'm going to give a little bit of a mic drop moment. I'm not meaning it to be, be that. Be careful. Your mic will unplug. Yeah, I, I do have to be careful of that. I, I don't mean it for to be that, but it is the the quickest answer to help people understand. Show me in Scripture where polygamy worked out. B uh, um, Hagar. I mean, there it is. The, yeah, which, who was who their kid? Esau? Didn't work out there. Was it Esau? No, who, who, that's Jacob who's, Esau. Who's their kid? Um, who's, Ishmael. Ishmael, thank you. Yeah. Because the Ishmaelites, the the Muslim nation. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so so you got to look at polygamy. Never works out. It never works in favor. Solomon, with his hundreds of wives and hundreds of concubines. Listen, you can trace the split of Israel back to that. Yeah, he had a lot of family problems. That got complicated. And he also read read Ecclesiastes, listener, because it is his. It's not lamentations, but it is his lament on like you know. I've done everything you could think of, and it's just nothing. It's wind. What does he call it? Void. Um, toil. Yeah, vanity of vanity. vanity. Yeah, van yeah, vanity. That's the word I'm looking for. And that's what, when you look in scripture, and you, oh, it's never condemned. Why are they there? They get away with this. They get to. It's like no, no. Look back. It never works out. The negative consequences from that, and that is the major point to be made here. The question was, or one of them. Uh, why, why, Paul, are you mentioning sexual immorality first for the works of the Spirit? There are so many negative consequences that come out of sexual wrongness, I think more so than any other type of sin. I mean, think about it. And it includes so many of the 
Ten Commandments. Like, yes, it's adultery. Yes, it's idolatry. Yes. I mean, there's just, it's coveting. It's <laughs> stealing on some level. It just like, it's against God's command. So sexual morality is like, it just hits all the marks for all the Ten Commandments. And there are so many bad consequences that come from that. Oftentimes, whenever we sin, yeah, we can pray for forgiveness. And, or, or you don't see the negative consequences and you kind of just sweep it under the rug a little bit. It's like, man, I did something bad and no one knows about it except for me and maybe God, but yeah, I got away with it. You don't. I mean, yes, you can be forgiven, but there are negative consequences. I'm using this as an illustration because I have an afternoon home by myself. If I were to... Adam killed a guy. Nobody knows. Just murder a dude. They don't know where he's buried. Straight up. No Nobody's going to be able to prove it. It was a random, so it's fine. According it's to been Thanos. years, so the statute of limitations will run out. It's totally fine. And society is all the better for it. But uh, there will be negative consequences that come from that. I might not see them, but the Bible teaches that sin is death. There, You can be forgiven of sins, but the real-life consequences of that sin, Solomon, David, you know, David, um, look what he, he <laughs> stole a woman, pretty much, Bathsheba, and killed her husband. He didn't get away with it. And you can ask for forgiveness, but the real-life consequences of that, the, the child that died because of David's iniquity, um, Solomon, the kingdom of Israel split northern and southern kingdoms because of this mess of a family that there, I'm just saying there are so many negative real life consequences that come from that. It's unsafe. Can I give you a very easy one to point to, but, but not easy to, to hear? Mm, Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. So, Somebody can sit in their room and say, listen, it's just me. Pornography is just entertainment. It's just innocent fun. It doesn't hurt anybody. Okay. First of all, let's take it to a level where, you know, husband or wife looking at pornography online, something that's so easily accessible. Yeah, we're definitely tagging this. <laughs> we, yeah, we have to discuss this. Uh it's, it's easy to access, and they would go, listen, it doesn't hurt anybody. Um, first of all, it is sexual immorality, okay, because it is... You're opening the door to your intimate marriage. Yep. But then let's say your husband or wife comes to you and go, have you looked at something? No. Okay. Now you've lied. Okay, so sin begets sin. Um, and then you, you're trying to cover it up, so sin begets sin begets sin. But looking at pornography, you, you can look this up. I challenge you to do the research how much the porn industry, no matter how much they want to dub it as just, you know, entertainment, wrecking lives, fueling the human trafficking industry. Modern day slavery. All over the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. So no matter how you try to portray it as um, just entertainment. Sin begets sin, begets sin, begets sin. If God calls it sexual immorality, if he calls it sexual immorality, it is, and it is only going to hurt you and hurt others. Uh, Today, I believe, is the anniversary for Roe v. Wade. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. March for Life is happening today. I'm pretty sure. Is that yesterday or today? January 21st? Because I know Sunday is... Uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday. Yeah, so it, 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 I think it's today, or if not today. Maybe I've been to that march in D.C. 
talk about it was a day like today, snow on the ground, freezing. Hundred thousand people, man. And this thing, I am anti-abortion, but so much so to where, like my the way I view pro-life for me is like, yes, I'm not a fan of abortion, but also do agree with some social policies. And I've spoken openly about this that yeah. would statistically decrease the chances for a woman to seek out an abortion. But anyway, I'm saying that because one aspect of that, I don't know, I don't know how to find the statistics. Who knows? How many politicians do you think have cheated on their spouse and got another woman pregnant and to save their career? Uh, we'll go I with mean, a rough number just, of all of them. I'm just saying, like, death suddenly becomes a product of that sexual immorality. I, so this warning of, like, hey, sexual immorality, it, sex outside of God's way, design. The, yeah, God's design, the way that he lays it out in Scripture, it will hurt you. Listen, it will hurt me. It will hurt others. There is no, yes, God can forgive you, and that is so awesome that he has the power and capacity and love and grace to forgive us from everything and help us in this life. That's awesome. But to turn away from that mercy and to hold on to an action that will only hurt you and others. Um, heads up. So it's sad that the church, and really in the 50s, 60s, 70s, they weren't on the forefront of like, no, sex is good. Like, yeah, let's celebrate it. It's a gift from God. And it's awesome when we do this the right, <laughs> right way. Um, that should be celebrated. So this view of like Christians and their, you know, sticklers on sexuality it's like no like the point of sexuality laid out by scripture is to enjoy that intimate relationship the most you possibly can and it's safe and it's comforting because that's god's design there are no negative like and that's the cool thing mark driscoll i know you have um, certain feelings about him, but he, just, he said this one time it's a good point that the reason he fenced in his backyard was not to keep the kids from going to other places is that way they can do so much more in the safety of that backyard. Yeah. Do what you want with that analogy, listener. <laughs> yeah, for real. But but let me let me put it. I took our teens to actually to Princeton when I was a youth pastor. I took our teens to a uh, true love waits type of event. Uh, it was called the Silver Ring thing, and it was a really cool concept. Uh, promise rings, you know, this idea of like making that commitment, really cool thing. But the whole event when we got done i looked over at kelly and we were kind of like it's not what we expected the whole event was based on basically if you have sex outside of marriage you're going to get a sexually transmitted disease or you're going to get pregnant and so the whole thing was because of negative consequences don't do this thing and that's why you already mentioned David. I tracked back to David when he he did have an affair with Bathsheba and it was sexual immorality and sin begets sin begets sin. He tried to cover it up by having her husband come back. Her husband was an honorable man and and you know Uriah, unsung hero of the Old Testament. Yeah, very one of one of Paul one of Paul, one of David's mighty men, and and then he puts him in the front lines where he knows he's gonna get killed. He ends up getting killed, you know. And so, but what does David say? God against you and you alone have I sinned. And it's like, whoa, dude, no, 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 no. You had Uriah killed, you sinned against him, uh, you slept with his wife, you sinned against her. Um, the baby died because of, you know, that was God's judgment. And it's like, but he recognized it. it's not just because of the negative things. The negative outcomes are kind of like we've been talking about this fruit of the spirit. 
okay? The proof of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives are these things. These negative outcomes are are God showing, listen, these are this is bad. Like and, these are bad and things. And that is our nature. By nature, just by being born human, we were sexually immoral. Like it's you know, as a as a you know, I'm in the majority on so many different things here, so I'll just spout them out. I'm a, you know, middle class white straight male. AKA the enemy for every uh social justice action I, I feel like at some point but you know i'm not a hundred percent sexually pure just because of that it's like dude there are certain desires that i have I, I don't even know where i picked them up it's just part of who i am that doesn't mean they're right but we can't just end it there and again the church not so much being on the forefront of like hey sex is actually pretty good and being like hey this is god wanting you to experience intimacy on a deep pure good level that's good for you and good for others and life is made because of it um it's like, yeah, this is a good thing, but we can't just outright condemn everybody. It's like, no, no, no. God can forgive. Like, that's the good news here. It's like, you can't, well, I messed up because I've done all this stuff. It's like, man, God's so much bigger than those natural desires. His Holy Spirit, which he gives to us to change us, change our character, you can change. It's not too late. Like, there is hope uh, within that. That's awesome. David, still, you know, after he repented, loved the Lord, and, and you know, Jesus came from his lineage. That's pretty cool. And that's, we do want to condemn sin where God condemns sin, okay? But we don't just stop there. We do show God's grace is bigger, okay? If, if the woman who's been, and I'm just, I'm sorry to use this as an example, but a woman has been a porn star for 20 years. The gospel is shared with her, and the Holy Spirit gives her the faith to believe, and her eyes are open to the truth of God. His grace is so big to forgive all that. To the to the guy who's cheated on his wife, you know, God's grace is so big to forgive that. And um, and and I I I want to end on the grace, but I want to make sure that we do cover something. We keep, no. we keep pointing to these things outside of marriage as sexual immorality, but we need to make sure that we're morally pure within our marriages, okay? So what do I mean by that? First of all, one thing the church does need to be on the forefront of is what you've said going, hey, sex is created by God, it is good, and it is satisfying within marriage. Like so many people think it's going to get old. How could you have sex with just one person for the rest of your life? It's like, well, first of all, again, don't have to worry about any. Uh, I'm well, sorry. and I'll, I'll be honest, can, I got to cut myself off here. Kelly and I have had this conversation. Can you imagine? Because we've seen it in movies, we've seen it in TV shows, and maybe people you've talked to in real life have talked about, you know, a, a bad sexual experience, and what does that person think of me now? And how are they going to view me? Oh, and I don't understand in shows like Friends, How I Met Your Mother. It's like you have one character that has slept with like three, the, all three guys. And they, afterwards, they break up, and they just keep on living life together as they did before that. I'm like, how does that not change you? I, yeah. I could not do that. I could not be like, yeah, the girl you're with now is with last year. But we're all good. That's hard. It does change you because sex is powerful because God intended it to be powerful within his framework. And so it is satisfying. And, you know, listen, every married couple, you can point to a time where it's like, you know what? 
that just wasn't very good sex. And you go, and you look at uh, each other, you go, and you look at each other, you go, we'll do better next time. Yeah. And you don't care. But we also have to make sure that we are being motivated, again, what the last podcast said, by love, okay, mm-hmm. God's glory, and the other person's good. If my whole motivation for sex in my marriage is my own entertainment and my own satisfaction, I am dishonoring my wife, and I am not bringing glory to God. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so that is sexual immorality. If she's there to put on a show for me, and that's it, then I am making her an object of pornography. That's all there is to it. And how many women were miserable in the 50s when we talk about being the most sexually pure decade? And I'm using that phrase very much tongue-in-cheek because uh, physical sexual abuse that was happening that we know about now and probably still happens in a lot of Christian marriages now. It's like, no, we're not talking... Abuse, 100% inexcusable and wrong. Um and lady and men too. Like if you are subject to that, if you're being forced to do something that you're uncomfortable, like do you do speak up again? It's just because cool. it's one not man right. born a man, one woman born a woman, having sex within marriage, that doesn't make it sexual sexually moral. Okay, it's again within the framework that God has created, and for the purpose that God has created. And so uh, we do procreate, have kids through that, and we honor God in that, but we do serve one another in that relationship as well, and we bring glory to God in doing that. God doesn't, listen, I'm not trying to blow anybody's mind here, but God doesn't turn his head when couples have sex because he's embarrassed by it. He created it, and it brings glory to him when we do it according to his framework, and we engage in that for his glory and the good of the other. And we enjoy it. It's good. And so I want to make sure that we're clear on that as well. Yeah, and the the depth of it. Our small group had a conversation oh, this depth. past yes. Wednesday. Um, one of my my groupies brought up the fact that James, <laughs> You can literally call them that. My groupies, one of my groupies, um, you know, brought up that James, the book of James, his letter was written to an audience that needed some encouragement and instruction. And you can boil chapter 4 of James down to they were worshiping the creation mm-hmm. and not the creator. So it adds so much more depth and meaning and purpose to you know outside of what God tells us we should do. Outside of that, it's just uh, it's an act that feels good. That's kind of the end of it. That's all you get from it. But to understand yeah, that's a part of creation, but... The Creator gave this to us to enjoy because He delights in Himself. The triune, intimate relationship between a Trinitarian God is deep, as close, as intimate, as awesome to be able to share yourself with someone else and to be accepted 100% and to have that reciprocated. Um, it adds so much more depth and meaning. It's not just a, yeah, it felt good, next day, you know, let's move on. It's like, man, there's meaning and depth and awesomeness to it. Because God is good, I can enjoy this. Yeah, and he, he created it, and he created it good. We corrupted it, but he gave us his word to go, Here, here's where it's good, and, and this is the framework. And when we stay within that, um, it is awesome. It is intimate, and, and intimate is such a good word because it's just a, like you said, that 
depth, that openness with somebody, um, without well, Adam, embarrassment. It's like Adam and Eve in the garden. They didn't have to hide anything before the fall. It doesn't matter. You didn't need no fig leaf. Fig leaf? Excuse me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just good. doesn't matter. You had nothing to hide. To, which is true. I mean, to not have guilt, you know, to be yourself, is who, that's, that's a, that'd, that'd be awesome. It, it is. Kind of makes you wonder what the new earth is going to be like. And you, I would love for younger couples to realize that if you can stay within the mentality of God's glory and serving the other and that that sexual relationship, that fulfillment, that as the depth grows, okay, um, the fulfillment within the sexual relationship, the years pass, it gets deeper and, and it, and it becomes more than just, I want to be sexually released, okay? I want, you know what? I haven't orgasmed in a while, and I want one. I know it's like, we'll put a, we'll put like a yeah, NC-17 rating on this or something. Somehow. Sorry, um, sorry, people. <laughs> but but it, it's more than that. It becomes so much more than that, and there is a depth there. There is just a, an intimacy, a love, um, and, and it's, it's awesome because God created it to be awesome. You ever get to a point where you're studying a topic or a concept or you're trying to wrap your head around something and you just, it's just not clicking, it doesn't register, and then you get some more information and you process it in a, cer- process it in a certain way to where you're like, I got it. Like, that makes sense to me. Whenever I was training to be a tour guide, I actually asked for more time to continue my training because after two weeks, I'm like, I just don't feel like... Like, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I have the full picture of mine. So I wanted to continue to be trained and read more material. But I remember my manager at the time, uh, Linda Walls, love you. Thank you for hiring me back then. Uh, she just gave me private tour, basically. She's like, hey, I'm going to give you a tour. Uh, you just ask questions. Like, if it doesn't make sense to you, just ask questions. But by the end of that training exercise... There was a moment when I'm like, okay, here's a question. Here's a question. She, and she told me later on, she's like, I could see it in your eyes. Like, it clicked, and the quality of the questions you were asking, like, you grasped it. It made sense. So to be married to Jesse for, let's see, 2013, going on nine years, it's like, I know her. It clicked. It makes sense, you know? And that is so nice to know someone on that level and to have that reciprocal. She knows me beforehand, whenever... You know, one of the girls starts doing something. Don't, 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 don't tell dad. <laughs> it's like, I'll handle this. He's not, you know, because if you say that, he's not going to be in a good mood because I'm a scary, scary man. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he's busy and you're going to aggravate him. Just wait a minute. But just how satisfying it is to be known and they don't have to hide anything and to know someone to where it clicks. It's like, I understand this woman inside and out. And I love her and I love it. Um, that's, that's a busy, which is why sexual morality, whenever you break intimacy like that, it's not impossible to regain it. Um, God, he's a healer. He can fix that. Yes. But it, outside of that healing, outside of the Holy Spirit healing that, it's it's hard to fix intimacy. And that's why sexuality is so important. we we got to get that right. Well, and you, you said it beautifully that... Oh, thanks, man. You're welcome. Just a couple um, dudes, you know. Just talking about random insecure. stuff. But it is... When, when we break the sexual morality, okay, we, we break from God's design and we talk about those consequences, you know, the, the repairing work that needs to go into building trust again and, you know, 
none of that's worth a moment of satisfaction. Yeah, why throw it away for, you know. Yeah, it, it's worth three minutes so of, much more. Three minutes of your life. Good. Yeah, it, it's worth so much so more much. for, you know, the depth of your marriage. And, and, and then remembering that there's nothing beyond the repair of God's grace. Because, okay. Yeah, because we're broken without Christ. You mentioned it at the beginning. You know, we're broken, fallen creatures by by we're broken. Jesus can fix that. You know, I had a uh, there was a psych professor at Marshall. I don't remember his name, but he was awesome. He uh, younger uh, Rob. Let's see. Bill. Christina Roberts. Thomas. So, uh, Roberts. Maybe I'll think of it here in a second. But anyway, he uh, filled in for one of my graduate assistants one day because I had to take a psych class. It was like Psychology 201 or something. Anyway, and his whole lecture was on intimacy, and he used this illustration where he took a glass and filled it full of water. And it's like, this is a relationship that has healthy intimacy, and here's what happens. He puts, he said, if I were to put pour the water out, put the glass in a bag and just smash it, I could take out the pieces and put them back together, but it's just not going to hold the water as well as it used to because once intimacy is broken, very hard to make it the way that it was. But that's the good news about the gospel. It, Jesus can fix that. That's the hope. And that's uh, super encouraging to think about. I'm trying to give hope here, Darren. It's like, hey, well, if someone's listening, I don't know where you are, what your experiences are. I'm just saying there is hope, and that's good. And let's celebrate that. But let's let's understand the the depth. Why? Did God set the parameters he did? Why in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery? Why in the fruit of the Spirit is it love? And he tells us what love is. Why in this uh, list of the fleshly things, sexual immorality? Um, let's talk real quick. Uh, answer these questions for me. All right, I'm ready to go. Ready to go. They're, Wait, they're, they're softballs, so they'll be, they'll be lobbed. Don't very you dare tell me softballs. I'll decide for myself whether or not they're softballs. And coming in not so fast. How fast can you throw a fastball? Uh, the top I was ever clocked at, I think, was 72 or 73 Dude, miles that's an pretty hour. good. Yeah, I was, that was, that was pretty back good. in the day. I pretty nice. much never threw faster than that. <laughs> that was it. He retired right after. That was pretty much it. Gotcha. Um, so... Which, like, Nolan Ryan's change-up was, like, 92 miles an hour. Now they throw it at, like, what, 99, 100? That's maybe, like, a fastball. Yeah. The change-up is the one that comes in slower. His slow pitch was, like, 92 miles. Ah, but. Best pitcher ever? In, in, in. <laughs> Sorry, I, now I'm throwing you hardballs. Wham, wham. In like my book, he is. Um, I'm sure some others would want to argue me on that, and that's okay. But in my book. Uh, so here's the deal. Um. Who is, when you look at the marriage illustration, who yes, is yes. the groom, the bridegroom? Jesus. Okay. Who's the bride? Church. Okay. So why is sexual, immor- sexual morality within marriage so important to God? What does the bride and the groom and the marriage represent? Jesus and the church. Okay. So... <laughs> Christ and his church, if if God has pointed to marriage as an illustration of that for so long, from the beginning, then we look to that and we know. I look at my wife and am motivated because I look at it and go, this is how Jesus 
confuse me. My wife looks at me and goes, this is how the church should view Christ. And so when we start breaking those morals and start looking, we're going to see Christ in the church differently. How do you, okay, let's just throw this out there. How do you consistently, as a Christian, cheat on your spouse and then go, oh, yes, I'm a part of the bride of Christ, the church, and he is the groom, and not have that skewed? Sexual morality matters to God because he's the creator of sex. He created it good, and he gave us the framework because it points to something. This marriage and the intimacy points to something. It's the meaning and the purpose. Talking about a little bit ago. So next yeah, time it's you listen not just to, ruining uh, our fun. It's not just ruining our know, fun. I, I wish we can get away from that. It's hard for me, given my uh, legalistic background, to not by default see God as like an angry, always oh, just waiting for you to mess up. And he's just waiting. When you when that happens, the hammer's coming down. The ground's opening up. You're getting swallowed like Cora. Actually, did Cora get swallowed? I can't remember. Yes, Cora got swallowed. I don't know if he got swallowed or got bit by a snake. I forget. No, swallowed by the ground. Swallowed by ground. Um, that would suck. What? Swallowed by a snake? No. Well, I mean, swallowed by a snake would suck, too, but swallowed by the ground. Yeah, don't rebel. <laughs> Apparently, uh, the ground opens up. But, you know, this idea, which is half accurate, which makes it inaccurate to say that, you know, God is like, his wrath is coming down. Granted, he, yes, there has to be wrath for our wrongdoing, yeah, but absolutely. Jesus absorbed that. So because of Jesus and his substitutionary atonement like my sins have been paid for he endured that he endured god's wrath on my behalf so i don't live i should not be living as a child of wrath anymore um that is you know what i'm saying so this idea of like man i'm enjoying something it must be wrong it's like Mm. we've got to stop this like i had a good time so it must be wrong because i'm supposed to be miserable it's like no like it's so it was, funny because just because you're enjoying it free. doesn't make it right, but just, me, just because you're enjoying it doesn't make yeah, it wrong. Because I think like, that's the thing. It's like sex for um, ultra-conservative Christians in some groups would be like, well, if it feels good, don't do it. If, feel, if it feels good to you, knock it off. It's for procreation, and that's it. Yeah. It's like, man, we. I just I wish I could do a better job of, like, man, my sin is paid for. I'm going to strive to glorify God in my life, and I'm going to mess up. And it's sad, but, man, God is still good, and he's gracious, and he's right there with me the entire time. I can always go back to my loving Heavenly Father. Um, he's my, my sin's paid for, you know. Now I can enjoy the, th- the life that flows from him. Like, I can enjoy relationships. I can enjoy uh, certain things the way that he planned. Uh, to quote John Piper, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. Christian hedonism. Yeah. So thank you, John Piper, for that wisdom. I think it's so true. But anyway, I'm every year of my life, as life goes on, I'm realizing that more and more and more. It's like, man, I had a really good evening with Jesse. I had such a good time, but, ah, man, I feel good. Wait, why am I feeling guilty? <laughs> like, stop. It was a good gift from the Lord. The devil's an accuser. <laughs> I, talk, I was messaging somebody from the church yesterday that the, the battle we all face you know, kind of the journey we all face in life is um, transitioning from from being overwhelmed by our sins and failures as Christians to being overwhelmed by God's grace, and it's it's that that transition as we as we grow in our relationship with the Lord that we we are less overwhelmed by our failures and more overwhelmed by His grace. Yeah, and uh, Romans two, you know, Paul talks about. 
how people continue to engage in sinful behavior because God is patient and kind and loving, and you know we, they continue to live out in sin, thinking that, well, if God's so patient and loving, then ultimately He will give me eternal life. Paul's response to that mindset is that, no, 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 don't you understand that God's kindness, patience, long-suffering, His love for you is supposed to draw you to repentance, and that's the key, I think, to experience what God has made the way that He intended us to experience them. So, uh, next time you listen to a song, remember that. Country music, you'll probably find more accurate views on love and sexual relations and other genres, but I could be wrong. Let me know. GrassrootsWB.com, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and if we have talked about anything that you have questions about, please let us know. If there's something you're struggling with, let us know. Uh, If you just want to Chime in and be like, you know what? God is good. He gave us sex and sex is good inside of me. Yay. Come celebrate with that. Sounded weird. Don't do that. Hey, guess what? You're awesome. You made it this far. You have a good one.